Chapter Twenty Nine of the Scottish Fairy Book by Elizabeth W. Grierson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Peary Fool. There was once a king and a queen in Rousset who had three daughters. When the young princesses were just grown up, the king died, and the crown passed to a distant cousin who had always hated him, and who paid no heed to the widowed queen and her daughters. So they were left very badly off, and they went to live in a tiny cottage, and did all the housework themselves. They had a kale-yard in front of the cottage and a little field behind it, and they had a cow that grazed in the field, and which they fed with the cabbages that grew in the kale-yard for everyone knows that to feed cows with cabbages makes them give a larger quantity of milk. But they soon discovered that someone was coming at night and stealing the cabbages, and of course this annoyed them very much, for they knew that if they had not cabbages to give to the cow, they would not have enough milk to sell. So the eldest princess said that she would take out a three-legged stool and wrap herself in a blanket and sit in the kale-yard all night to see if she could catch the thief and although it was very cold and very dark, she did so. At first it seemed as if all her trouble would be in vain, for hour after hour passed and nothing happened. But in the small hours of the morning, just as the clock was striking two, she heard a stealthy trampling in the field behind, as if some very heavy person were trying to tread very softly, and presently a mighty giant stepped right over the wall into the kale-yard. He carried an enormous creel on his arm and a large sharp knife in his hand, and he began to cut the cabbages and to throw them into the creel as fast as he could. Now the princess was no coward, so, although she had not expected to face a giant, she gathered up her courage and cried out sharply, "'Who gave thee liberty to cut our cabbages? Leave off this minute and go away!' The giant paid no heed, but went on steadily with what he was doing. "'Dost thou not hear me?' cried the girl indignantly, for she was the princess royal, and had always been accustomed to be obeyed. "'If thou be not quiet, I will take thee too,' said the giant grimly, pressing the cabbages down into the creel. "'I should like to see thee try,' retorted the princess, rising from her stool and stamping her foot, for she felt so angry that she forgot for a moment that she was only a weak maiden, and he was a great and powerful giant.' and as if to show her how strong he was he seized her by her arm and her leg and put her in his creel on the top of the cabbages and carried her away bodily when he reached his home which was in a great square house on a lonely moor he took her out and set her down roughly on the floor thou wilt be my servant now he said and keep my house and do my errands for me i have a cow which thou must drive out every day to the hillside and see, here is a bag of wool, and when thou hast taken out the cow, thou must come back and settle thyself at home as a good housewife should, and comb and card it and spin it into yarn, with which to weave a good thick cloth for my raiment. I am out most of the day, but when I come home, I shall expect to find all this done, and a great bicker of porridge boiled besides for my supper. The poor princess was very dismayed when she heard these words for she had never been accustomed to work hard, and she had always had her sisters to help her. But the giant took no notice of her distress, but went out as soon as it was daylight, leaving her alone in the house to begin her work. As soon as he had gone, she drove the cow to the pasture, as he had told her to do. 
but she had a good long walk over the moor before she had reached the hill, and by the time that she got back to the house she felt very tired. So she thought that she would put on the porridge pot and make herself some porridge before she began to card and comb the wool. She did so, and just as she was sitting down to sup them, the door opened and a crowd of wee-wee peery folk came in. They were the tiniest men and women that the princess had ever seen. Not one of them would have reached halfway to her knee, and they were dressed in dresses fashioned out of all the colors of the rainbow, scarlet and blue, green and yellow, orange and violet, and the funny thing was that every one of them had a shock of straw-colored yellow hair. They were all talking and laughing with one another, and they hopped up first on stools, then on chairs, till at last they reached the top of the table, where they clustered round the bowl out of which the princess was eating her porridge. "'We be hungry, we be hungry,' they cried, in their tiny shrill voices. "'Spare a little porridge for the peery folk.' But the princess was hungry also, and besides being hungry she was both tired and cross, so she shook her head and waved them impatiently away with her spoon. "'Little for one and less for two, and never a grain have I for you,' she said sharply. And, to her great delight, for she did not feel quite comfortable with all the peery folks standing on the table looking at her, they vanished in a moment. After this she finished her porridge in peace. Then she took the wool out of the bag, and she set to work to comb and card it. But it seemed as if it were bewitched. It curled and twisted and coiled itself round her fingers, so that, try as she would, she could not do anything with it. And when the giant came home, he found her sitting in despair, with it all in confusion round her. And the porridge, which she had left for him in the pot, burned to a cinder. As you may imagine, he was very angry, and raged and stamped and used the most dreadful words. And at last he took her by the heels, and beat her until all her back was skinned and bleeding. Then he carried her out to the byre and threw her up on the joists among the hens. And although she was not dead, she was so stunned and bruised that she could only lie there, motionless, looking down on the backs of the cows. Time went on, and in the kale-yard at home the cabbages were disappearing as fast as ever. So the second princess said that she would do as her sister had done, and wrap herself in a blanket, and go and sit on a three-legged stool all night to see what was becoming of them. She did so, and exactly the same fate befell her that had befallen her elder sister. The giant appeared with his creel, and he carried her off, and set her to mind the cow in the house, and to make his porridge and to spin, and the little yellow-headed peery folk appeared and asked her for some supper, and she refused to give it to them, and after that she could not comb or card her wool, and the giant was angry, and he scolded her, and beat her, and threw her up half dead, on the jousts beside her sister and the hens. Then the youngest princess determined to sit out in the kale-yard all night, not so much to see what was becoming of the cabbages, as to discover what had happened to her sisters. And when the giant came and carried her off, she was not at all sorry, but very glad, for she was a brave and loving little maiden, and now she felt that she had a chance of finding out where they were, and whether they were dead or alive. So she was quite cheerful and happy, for she felt certain that she was clever enough to outwit the giant, if only she were watchful and patient. 
so she lay quite quietly in her creel above the cabbages but she kept her eyes very wide open to see by which road he was carrying her off and when he set her down in his kitchen and told her all that he expected her to do she did not look downcast like her sisters but nodded her head brightly and said that she felt sure that she could do it and she sang to herself as she drove the cow over the moor to pasture and she ran the whole way back so that she should have a good long afternoon to work at the wool and although she would not have told the giant this to search the house before she set to work however she made herself some porridge just as her sisters had done and just as she was going to sup them all the little yellow-haired peery folk trooped in and climbed up on the table and stood and stared at her we be hungry we be hungry they cried spare a little porridge for the peery folk with all my heart replied the good-natured princess if you can find dishes little enough for you to sup out of i will fill them for you but methinks if i were to give you all porridgers you would smother yourselves among the porridge at her words the peery folk shouted with laughter till their straw-coloured hair tumbled right over their faces then they hopped on to the floor and ran out of the house and presently they came trooping back holding cups of bluebells and foxgloves and saucers of primroses and anemones in their hands and the princess put a tiny spoonful of porridge into each saucer and a tiny drop of milk into each cup and they ate it all up as daintily as possible with neat little grass spoons which they had brought with them in their pockets when they had finished they all cried out thank you thank you and ran out of the kitchen again leaving the princess alone and being alone she went all over the house to look for her sisters but of course she could not find them never mind i will find them soon she said to herself to-morrow i will search the byre and the outhouses in the meantime i had better get on with my work so she went back to the kitchen and took out the bag of wool which the giant had told her to make into cloth but just as she was doing so the door opened once more and a yellow-haired peery boy entered he was exactly like the other peery folk who had eaten the princess's porridge only he was bigger and he wore a very rich dress of grass-green velvet he walked boldly into the middle of the kitchen and looked round him hast thou any work for me to do he asked i ken grand how to handle wool and turn it into fine thick cloth i have plenty of work for anybody who asks it replied the princess but i have no money to pay for it and there are but few folks in this world who will work without wages all the wages that i ask is that thou wilt take the trouble to find out my name for few folk ken it and few folk care to ken but if by any chance thou canst not find it out then must thou pay toll of half of thy cloth the princess thought that it would be quite an easy thing to find out the boy's name so she agreed to the bargain and putting all the wool back into the bag she gave it to him and he swung it over his shoulder and departed she ran to the door to see where he went for she had made up her mind that she would follow him secretly to his home and find out from the neighbors what his name was but to her great dismay though she looked this way and that he had vanished completely and she began to wonder what she should do if the giant came back and found that she had allowed some one whose name she did not even know to carry off all the wool 
and as the afternoon wore on and she could think of no way of finding out who the boy was or where he came from she felt that she had made a great mistake and she began to grow very frightened just as the gloaming was beginning to fall a knock came at the door and when she opened it she found an old woman standing outside who begged for a night's lodging now as i have told you the princess was very kind-hearted and she would fain have granted the poor old dame's request but she dared not for she did not know what the giant would say so she told the old woman that she could not take her in for the night as she was only a servant and not the mistress of the house but she made her sit down on a bench beside the door and brought her out some bread and milk and gave her some water to bathe her poor tired feet she was so bonny and gentle and kind and she looked so sorry when she told her that she would need to turn her away that the old woman gave her her blessing and told her not to vex herself as it was a fine dry night and now that she had had a meal she could easily sit down somewhere and sleep in the shelter of the outhouses and when she had finished her bread and milk she went and lay down by the side of a green knoe which rose out of the moor not very far from the byre door and strange to say as she lay there she felt the earth beneath her getting warmer and warmer until she was so hot that she was fain to crawl up the side of the hillock in the hope of getting a mouthful of fresh air and as she got near the top she heard a voice which seemed to come from somewhere beneath her saying tease teasums tease card cartons card spin spin and spin for perryful 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 is what men call me and when she got to the very top she found that there was a crack in the earth through which rays of light were coming and when she put her eye to the crack what should she see down below her but a brilliantly lighted chamber in which all the peery folk were sitting in a circle working away as hard as they could some of them were carding wool some of them were combing it some of them were spinning it constantly wetting their fingers with their lips in order to twist the yarn fine as they drew it from the distaff and some of them were spinning the yarn into cloth while round and round the circle cracking a little whip and urging them to work faster was a yellow-haired peery boy this is a strange thing and these be queer on goin said the old woman to herself creeping hastily down to the bottom of the hillock again a must e'en go and tell the bonny lassie in the house yonder maybe the knowledge of what i have seen will stand her in good stead some day when there be peery folk about it is well to be on one's guard so she went back to the house and told the princess all that she had seen and heard and the princess was so delighted with what she had told her that she risked the giant's wrath and allowed her to go and sleep in the hayloft. It was not very long after the old woman had gone to rest before the door opened, and the peery boy appeared once more with a number of webs of cloth upon his shoulder. Here is thy cloth, he said, with a sly smile, and I will put it on the shelf for thee the moment that thou tellest me what my name is. And the princess, who was a merry maiden, thought that she would tease the little fellow for a time, ere she let him know that she had found out his secret. So she mentioned first one name and then another, always pretending to think that she had hit upon the right one, and all the time the peery boy jumped from side to side with delight, for he thought that she would never find out the right name, and that half of the cloth would be his. 
but at last the princess grew tired of joking and she cried out with a little laugh of triumph dost thou by any chance ken any one called peerty fool little mannikin then he knew that in some way she had found out what men called him and he was so angry and disappointed that he flung the webs of cloth down in a heap on the floor and ran out at the door slamming it behind him meanwhile the giant was coming down the hill in the darkening and to his astonishment he met a troop of little peery folk toiling up it looking as if they were so tired that they could hardly get along their eyes were dim and listless their heads were hanging on their breasts and their lips were so long and twisted that the poor little people looked quite hideous the giant asked how this was and they told him that they had to work so hard all day spinning for their master that they were quite exhausted and that the reason why their lips were so distorted was that they used them constantly to wet their fingers so that they might pull the wool in very fine strands from the distaff i always thought a great deal of women who could spin said the giant and i looked out for a housewife that could do so but after this i will be more careful for the housewife that i have now is a bonny little woman and i would be loath to have her spoil her face in that manner and he hurried home in a great state of mind in case he should find that his new servant's pretty red lips had grown long and ugly in his absence great was his relief to see her standing by the table bonny and winsome as ever with all the webs of cloth in a pile in front of her by my troth thou art an industrious maiden he said in high good humour and as a reward for working so diligently i will restore thy sisters to thee and he went out to the byre and lifted the two other princesses down from the rafters and brought them in and laid them on the settle their little sister nearly screamed aloud when she saw how ill they looked and how bruised their backs were but like a prudent maiden she held her tongue and busied herself with applying a cooling ointment to their wounds and binding them up and by and by her sisters revived and after the giant had gone to bed they told her all that had befallen them i will be avenged on him for his cruelty said the little princess firmly and when she spoke like that her sisters knew that she meant what she said so next morning before the giant was up she fetched his creel and put her eldest sister into it and covered her with all the fine silken hangings and tapestry that she could find and on the top of all she put a handful of grass and when the giant came downstairs she asked him in her sweetest tone if he would do her a favor and the giant who was very pleased with her because of the quantity of cloth which he thought she had spun said that he would then carry that creel full of grass home to my mother's cottage for her cow to eat said the princess twill help to make up for all the cabbages which thou hast stolen from her kale yard and wonderful to relate the giant did as he was bid and carried the creel to the cottage next morning she put her second sister into another creel and covered her with all the fine napery she could find in the house and put an armful of grass on the top of it and at her bidding the giant who was really getting very fond of her carried it also home to her mother the next morning the little princess told him that she thought that she would go for a long walk after she had done her housework and that she might not be in when he came home that night but that she would have another creel of grass ready for him 
if he would carry it to the cottage as he had done on the two previous evenings. He promised to do so. Then, as usual, he went out for the day. In the afternoon, the clever little maiden went through the house, gathering together all the lace and silver and jewelry that she could find, and brought them and placed them beside the creel. Then she went out and cut an armful of grass, and brought it in and laid it beside them. Then she crept into the creel herself, and pulled all the fine things in above her, and then she covered everything up with the grass, which was a very difficult thing to do, seeing she herself was at the bottom of the basket. Then she lay quite still and waited. Presently the giant came in, and obedient to his promise, he lifted the creel and carried it off to the old queen's cottage. No one seemed to be at home, so he set it down in the entry and turned to go away. But the little princess had told her sisters what to do, and they had a great can of boiling water ready in one of the rooms upstairs, and when they heard his steps coming round that side of the house, they threw open the window and emptied it all over his head, and that was the end of him. End of chapter 29